All right. Are you ready, Sharon? Are you ready? <laughs> Welcome. You are listening to the Equity Umbrella Podcast. I'm Sharon. And I'm Yvette. And we're educators with 20 plus years of classroom experience between us. We created this podcast to have open dialogue about socially relevant topics, things you probably won't talk about in PD. All from an equity lens. And you are now in a safe space under the equity umbrella. So come take a seat with us as we open up about some of today's hot button topics. Welcome to the Equity Umbrella Podcast Season 2, and this is Episode 1. Yes, you heard it. Season 2 it is. My name is Sharon Lee, and I am the Multi-Tiered Systems of Support Advisor serving the Southgate Community of Schools. And I'm Yvette Fraga, the Data Coordinator for the Huntington Park, Walnut Park, and Vernon Community of Schools. So it's been a long time. Our last episode dropped May of last year. It's been a long time since a we've very been long time. Very long time. And first thing I have to ask you, Yvette, I see that you have a new job title. Give us some updates. What's up? Yeah. So at the end of last year, um, we opened up a position for the instructional data coordinator. Um, and I love data. And since data is the foundation of multi-tier system of support framework, um, I thought it would be a great way to focus my work. Any other change you might want our listeners to know? So our listeners are probably wondering, you're probably wondering why we've been gone so long. Um, and a lot has happened since our last episode in May. Uh, when we were recording in May, I was pregnant mm -hmm. for the first time. Um, and then we didn't get a chance to connect and record because we went out on break and then we came back to COVID craziness. And then I had my baby and I was on maternity leave. Um, and then when we came back in January, when I came back from maternity leave and we came back from winter break, uh, there was a COVID spike. And so things were kind of crazy around here. Um, so yeah, that is why it has been such a long time. And we are so glad to have you back healthy and well. And we are really excited to continue with our season two um, as we begin today. So, okay, it is April 22 now. And I do want to give kind of an update as to what our schools look like today. Um, still, we are doing COVID testing on a weekly basis, but at this point, masks have been optional indoors, outdoors for everybody, right? It's strongly recommended, but um, it is no longer mandated. So with all that being said, you know, in today's episode, we are hoping to take an intentional pause to think about our current practices in the classroom. Right? We, we would agree, we learned so much during the pandemic and we really want to give some time to think about how is our current practices in our classrooms and how is that reflecting everything that we've learned through the pandemic, right? You know, are we doing things in a way that truly reflects everything that we've learned or are we just doing things the same way because that's, that's what we know, that's all we know. So, you know, we are titling today's episode, Make It Make Sense. We want to make sense of our current practice and think about how we can continue to grow with everything that we've learned. 
Yeah. And I think we have all this new technology, all of these applications that are paid for by the district. And are we using them in a way that makes sense mm. in person? Does it make sense to continue using it in person? Um, things like that. And so we really wanted to make it make sense. Welcome back. I want to welcome Maria Chan, Instructional Data Coordinator for the Boyle Heights and East LA Community Schools. Uh, will you give us a quick rundown of your background with the district? Yeah, so um, I started out as a high school social studies teacher in like the late 90s. And then I kind of stayed in the classroom for a couple of years uh, teaching social studies and some reading. And then I came out as a literacy coach uh, for a couple of years at a high school in uh, mid, mid City in LAUSD. And then sort of, I taught for a little bit, but um, then I transitioned to intervention work. So I really, the first kind of official district job I had was when we had the big first RTI push uh, in like the, I guess, 2010 kind of area. And then I've been pretty much doing that kind of work um, a little bit, uh, left the district for a little bit as a itinerant working with new teachers. And then I came back full on as a data person. So really looking at data and instruction, sort of at the district level, the local district level down to classroom and how data kind of impacts um, student learning and student achievement. So that's kind of my role. I mean, I'm really transitioning away from the school site, which is interesting, um, but now I've actually been more out of the school site than I have been at a school site. So that's been kind of a shift in sort of where I see my, my role in LUSD. And so you're in a unique position, I think, as like an educator mom, um, having been in the classroom a little bit, but then also looking at data, right? Like school-wide data, local district-wide data, district-wide data, um, and your kids are in the same district. What is that like for you, for your kids, and for their teachers with your unique perspective? You know, I, I'm kind of lucky that I have that like wider perspective because I was really able to make some decisions about what kind of schools um, I want from my kids, sort of beyond just like real estate websites, right, about what great schools are, but like around um, equity and access around demographics and how kids achieve at school site. You know, I also think I'm not naive to think like that's the only piece that's important, right, for how well your kids thrive in school. But it puts me in a super awkward, it's funny because I want I, when we were in the pandemic, right, my kids, they don't really know what I do. Like when I brought them to work before my oldest, she was like, oh yeah, all she does is like check emails all day. And like sits in meetings. <laughs> she told my husband that the best thing she did that day for teaching child to work was to like shred paper. <laughs> that was the best part of my job. So, um, so when we were in pandemic, she kind of heard a lot of my my like PDs and what I was like training people to do. Um, and she kind of sort of understands that I look at a lot of data. But she does know that I have a lot of access. For the most part, I try to be parent a little bit of a balance between the way my parents parent me, which is like, I come from an immigrant background, so it's sort of like, good luck, just bring home some good grades, and I'm not going to ask questions in between, to then in the other extreme of how I think a lot of people my generation, like I'm, I was born in the 70s, like we parent with a lot of oversight, right? Like every little detail needs to be reported to me. So I try to balance those two. And I yeah. and remind me again, um, how old are your children again? Oh, yeah. I have a, a fifth grader and a kindergartner. Um, I, my fifth grade, so I'll give you some context. Like my fifth grader, you know, because I have an education background, I was like 
I actually had to pull out of school. So we were really lucky. I know I'm really fortunate, right? Like during the pandemic, it didn't work for her. Like Zoom, she honestly looked like a shell of who she was as a person. So I was lucky enough to be able to pull her out. So we did independent studies Mm -hmm. for most of her fourth grade, actually almost all of it. Um, So she's going back into everyday school. It's different, right? Um, We also had, I made a decision early in her schooling to put her in dual language. There are definitely gaps, right? Like in her language acquisition in English that, you know, it's one of those, like I look at that all day and I don't, it was one of these situations where like, I knew she had some gaps, you know, like at the dual language school. Mm-hmm. She kind of like hoped for the best. And then she moved to a, a school that was English only. And then I saw those Dibbles reports. And I was like, oh, oh you really have gaps. Um, but again, it's like privilege, right? Like I have the information. I have lots of elementary school teacher friends. So like they recommended some like skill sets and I was, I could do it with her, right? So mm-hmm. she caught up because I have the time and the resources, right? So I think about that a lot when I look at data, right? Like, and I struggle with getting my kid at grade level or trying to understand all the pieces that would support her. And I just think like, what can like a average parent do who may not speak English, right? Like, that's what I think about a lot. Like when I work on with data and how we talk to teachers about supporting kids, I think like, if I'm struggling to understand this, how could a, 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 like an average parent who doesn't speak English understand this, right? And then how does that impact their kids' success, right? That is the million-dollar question. Million-dollar question. <laughs> I would I like know. to find the answer to. So you know, in when we met and we talked with you, you know, in our conversation, you talked about this what you called recent parenting fail that you had, right? Which then led to some real crucial, like instructional, like reflection and thoughts and insight that you've had. So we actually wanted to ask you more about that. What, yeah, what so, happened? you know, it's funny because like, uh, you know, I think my, my oldest is like a tween, right? And so, you know, like I, I do all the things, but I'm actually just trying to balance, like not being overly on her. Like, I don't want to be that parent who's like, I need to know exactly every sentence you write. I'm going to read everything responds, right? So we kind of, you know, we just did the typical, like, show us your planner. Did you do your homework? And she always said yes. And she's actually... Of, you know, I'll give her credit. She's a good student. She's well-liked by her peers. She's well-liked by her teachers, right? She's not, she's never been like a problem in school. And so one day we were walking by and she has this program and I saw these orange buttons on this program. And it's a program that I actually know, right? Because I work in data, right? So I asked her, say, oh, what does orange buttons mean? She was like, oh, those are all the assignments I didn't post. It's this program. <laughs> I literally was like, for one content, she had 79 missing assignments and I had this like visceral reaction, not a nice reaction, uh, where, you know, I just thought to myself, like, if I was like parented, like the way my parents parented, I would go, I mean, it would just been like, you're dead meat, you know? Yeah. Um, I definitely, had, I didn't have a great reaction and my, and my partner, he basically walked by and was like, gotta be cool. <laughs> like, he had to give me the signal to like, stop, walk away. Um, but then, you know, after like calm down, I looked over her shoulder mm-hmm. and I think her overall, she had like 200 missing assignments <gasps> Wow! Yeah. in every content area. But the thing was, we just had a parent conference meeting two weeks ago with her yeah. teacher, no mention of it. And her teacher gave her threes and fours, right? Mostly fours. And um, even because she's a very good math student. So her, she got fours in math, but she mm-hmm. was missing 79 assignments. 
And so we asked her, we said, well, we asked you every day if your homework is done. <laughs> of course, like cheeky, you know, tween response. She's like, well, I did the homework. You never asked me if I posted it. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. You know what? I'm going to walk away right now. <laughs> because I don't even know how to respond to that right um so she just so basically do all these things do we make her post everything then I realized as I was looking through her stuff that it's actually more than 200 assignments because there were many assignments because the way you upload on this thing is there's a card so if you upload a blank card it will not show up as a missing assignment Oh, it's just, okay. is it completed? It's just completed because completed. technically there's a card in there. You uploaded mm-hmm. something. Yeah. You uploaded even if something. it's blank. Even if it's blank. As long as okay. the card's uploaded. Okay. So it's really, when we're talking about 200, we're probably talking an additional 50 to 70, right? Of assignments. And so, you know, I think the debate was like, okay, I think about my job, good or bad lesson is how many things do I do that I find really pointless, but I still do it right we're always having this like cost benefit conversation around like do we fight this is it worth the fight or do I just do this compliance piece right and so we were we were seriously having this conversation like do we make her do all these things but why would you assign something like just in the math it was only it was only two two modules over a hundred assignments if you never look at it so, so okay so let me I'm just gonna unpack this a little bit there's multiple like, things happening the teacher is asking the students to upload work or evidence of work into this platform the teacher is not grading this work can't be because she doesn't even know there's blood cards there right yeah right she never she mentioned all the right. orange bubbles and, and your then, daughter like, still received a good grade yeah with because I get it. under mastery grading it should be not on homework mm-hmm. right right um but then what is the purpose of homework in this class right like is it like are they bringing homework into class like I think about homework as a teacher right I was also a secondary social studies teacher I think about homework and like it's supposed to tell me something about where they are right not to right. just reinforce the learning but also like where are they what do I need to reteach maybe like who maybe should be in intervention groups or you know like there's information yeah. that comes from homework if we're going to assign and grade it I did ask her I said to her my child's very good at math I don't really see the point of doing 10 worksheets right with like six problems each if I can look at application and if she does well on that would you be comfortable if she only did that and the answer was no even though she doesn't look at it she said because you know there is a correlation between practice and doing well I get it but what if the entire practice was wrong which you don't even know because she's not looking at it it. Mm -hmm. okay but I she didn't say it but it must be the assumption is Mm -hmm. that an adult that can do it or have time to do it yeah or willing to do it is looking at the answers because how else would you know so we're not here I would say we're not here to pick on this teacher yeah, but I think what we wanted to talk about is there's this thread, right? Of yeah. classroom teachers that we see who have brought practices in from the pandemic that maybe don't make sense. Yeah, in live instruction. I think I think for me, because because I'm gonna give this teacher credit. Like I can see my kid 
really enjoys the class. She has these incredible projects they do. In I mean, she's learning a lot. I, this is like a very small piece of the larger conversation, okay? Because mm -hmm. the teacher is really great with this population of students. I'm not gonna say she is not, um, but it is that. Like, what, what is the purpose of writing the, oh, let me explain to you if you're not familiar with that program, is you're doing it on paper and pencil, and then you're taking a picture of it and then posting on this program but the problem is when you look at the picture of most of the homework, it is so blurry, you couldn't even read it if you wanted to read it mm -hmm. because you're holding your book to the camera like this. Mm -hmm. And then you have to push a button. So you're like, you know, like the kid's hands like shaking. Yeah. <laughs> so almost every one of them is blurry. Unless it's blank. Unless it's blank. <laughs> Nobody would know because no one's looking at it. Um, so I'm wondering, like, is this the practice? Like, I could see how this practice was needed, like, when we were working from home, students were at home. Yeah. But, I mean, it makes me wonder, like, is this a practice that a teacher decided to do? Or is this, like, a school-wide practice that maybe teachers were told to do? Yeah, good question. I don't think so. I think, um, because I have two kids in the same school. But he's little, though. And we have a friend who's in a different classroom, and so she doesn't do that. Um, but but I, I think that... And, I, and to be mm -hmm. fair, that classroom was hit hard in the early parts of coming back. There were like multiple, when we were doing all those like close contact situations, right? Mm -hmm. there were, they were hit probably four or five times the first semester. So she needed something like this because, because she is very conscientious. So she didn't have to. She was still Zooming for those kids when they were in quarantine, those like 10, 15, 20 day quarantines. Remember they were doing those extended quarantines? She was doing that for them. So I think it makes sense when you're doing that um, because she also needed to post those like math pages for kids, right? Because they didn't have their workbooks, mm -hmm. right? But it's sort of that continuing practice question, right? Like, does mm -hmm. this make sense? What have you landed on, Maria? Have you landed on anything? I think for my own personal, like as an educator, okay, as in my role, I did think the landing on is like, okay, I need to have a better conversation about with my people who I've influenced, like my control, like, where I work with, the schools that I work with, like, do you really ask that question? Like, hey, let's talk about all the things you have on your plate. Does it make sense to keep doing this? Like, why are we doing this? But I, I do think about that question you guys brought up last time, which is like, do we really ask that question? Like, what are we doing, right? Why are we doing it? And why are we doing it this way? I don't think we've had that conversation with our colleagues, right? And I think this is a conversation even to have with ourselves as like, thinking about myself as an in-classroom teacher, that would be a conversation I would want to have with myself every day, right? Like, what are my systems? Again, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And why am I doing it this way? There are definitely, I think, like you mentioned before, some compliance pieces. There are things that our principals ask us to do or our administrators ask us to do for compliance, right? Because they need proof for some reason or other. And then there are other things that are under the scope of our control. And I'm just thinking about these are questions. Yeah, like we can ask at every level, like at the individual level as an educator, as a teacher, and then as a school, pausing and asking these questions, you know, as a larger group. And I mean, I'm just thinking about like when we started this school year, you know, back in person, the operational needs were so great that I don't think that we had a full chance to just to pause and to really think about the intentionality behind everything that we do, like our practices. Yeah, I'm just thinking, how do we, how do, we do this? I don't think even, I think about like what we ask schools to do, which in turns turns into what the principal has to do and then it drops, right? And I think like, 
like those compliance pieces, right? We don't stop to say, even though we have to do these compliance things, like what's the actual benefit from it? Like, what do we get out of it? Like, is it worth the amount of energy we put into it? I think from my, my, my own sphere of influence, right? Like I think like, okay, so who can I influence and like, and how do I do it in a way where it's productive, right? Because there's compliance for compliance that I, I get, right? Um, like you said, like we spend a lot of money on things. We need to be able to account for how we spend money and this is the way we account for it, like time logged or whatever, right? Um, but then when it comes to the more nuanced pieces, right, it's like we have a hard time balancing it. Like I, I think about what are teachers giving up so that I could get a report that says 100%. Right. We've been hearing a lot about the wellness of our educators, teachers, right, especially. There was a survey that was released back in February of this year from National Education Association, NEA, where they surveyed 3,600 teachers. Based on this result, they found that 55% of those educators say they plan to leave education sooner than planned because of the pandemic. And they've observed this true to be true for all educators, like regardless of age or how many years they've taught. And that number, 55%, compare that to 37% um, that was back in August of last year. Um, in addition, they found that 90% of these educators say they are experiencing burnout, right? And more than any other issues like, you know, getting higher pay or more planning time, you know, teachers are feeling burnt out. And I'm just making that connection with these practices that we may be doing, right? That may not be as effective without having that intentional pause to think about our practices and reflect on how effective it may be and why we're doing it a certain way, why we're doing it the way we're doing it. Like without that pause, without that intention, like I wonder how that's also impacting our educators' experience and their wellness, like because of their work. And I think there's an opportunity to ask those questions at every level, right? We're thinking about teacher wellness and teacher retention. And so like at the district and local district and even the community schools level, like what are we doing? Why are we doing it? And why are we doing it this way? Mm. Um, and then extending that to how do we know if it's working or not working? And that there's an opportunity for principals to ask that um, when they're establishing their systems and their expectations of their teachers. Um, and then I think teachers to ask themselves that. I read some research about bullying culture and everywhere, like in whatever organization, mostly in schools. But there's all this research where they're approaching bullying from, a, from an ecosystem perspective, right? So bullying happens when the system tolerates victim blaming. Mm-hmm. And I kind of see the same thing with the wellness thing, right? Like what does our ecosystem tolerate and what we do to educators, right? Particular, particularly teachers and principals at a school site. Like we tolerate a lot. They tolerate a lot. I don't, regardless of outcome, I honestly believe that like 99 percent or more teachers educators are just doing the best that they can like that's their best they're not offering Mm -hmm. their worst right um and the outcomes don't always reflect how hard they work right Mm. and I but I think it's because of that I think our ecosystem tolerates the way we treat people right we can say like oh here's like happy you know teacher appreciation week we're gonna give you guys donuts but we're not going to like figure out a system so that we can make sure that we don't have to cover classes for the next three months. 
like you know what I mean like that the balance is off right and like what we tolerate and then what's like the outcome like the outcome usually is just like extreme stress to the school which which like pushes down to the principal um and time right like so the cost is me giving you this report to show you that you didn't make 95 percent you panic and then you panic down to the teachers and they panic and then they they are not their best in the classroom right and is that cost worth it for that two percent going from 93 percent to 95 percent participation like yeah i think i think at the core of it everybody thinks this is going to be best for kids mm. but i mean that tells you a lot about the system right where everyone's mm. most are working super hard I wouldn't say not most, but all of them are working super hard. Very few of them are making significant impact. And I think I'm just thinking a lot about, I mean, even for me, right? Like what is within my control? What would it be like if I asked that question ongoing, right? Like ongoing questions of what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And why am I doing it this way? Like asking those questions periodically and and everything that we do, like, thinking about the ecosystem, like at every level, like I'm, I'm thinking of that as kind of like, I mean, not, not a solution per se, but like, like actionable step, what I can do in my current power within my control. And then I'm just thinking about like the paradigm shift and the mind shift that it took to go from being in person to virtual, right? For everyone, for the students, for the teachers, for, for everyone all the way up the ladder adjusting to that and then the paradigm shift that it has taken to go back mm. and I think that that's really like the through line of the conversation that we wanted to have here today is like we have to shift the paradigm and not every practice not every app not every tool is appropriate for every situation and so it's okay to leave things behind if they don't make sense mm right? Make it make sense. And I think I appreciate that about my, my cost administrator. If it doesn't make sense, then we don't do it, yeah. but we have to know, how do we know it's not making sense? Or how do we know that it does make sense? And I think at some level, you have to be willing to bear the brunt of that pushback for the people you supervise, right? Like it's not fair to ask teachers to make those decisions that are policy decisions because they're going to get pushback. But yes, the app, those things, yes, I understand. Like your daily instruction, like definitely the teacher has to ask those questions. But I think about, you know, you have an administrator who can bear the brunt of the pushback or knows how to respond to that pushback, right? Because you're probably having those conversations, right? So is, is it, so is then the, not the solution, but the, that, that conversation is being had so that you could actually just say, oh yeah, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And I'm, when someone asks me why, I'm going to explain to them. And honestly, when people push back for the most part from like the district or whatever, it's never really that hard. They just want an explanation, right? But it does make me think a lot about it. Like the like just that one little experience with my own kid, I just think, man, I wonder how many parents know about those orange bubbles <laughs> or care, I guess the question. So I think the burning question is, is Maria's daughter going to have to upload all of her assignments <laughs> or not? I think that's that's where we want to circle back to before we close this segment. I did four star for one of them, one content, until I did the other one. I did the history one. I was like, I was reading because they was like in the collaborative board, right? And I was like, half of these are kind of like factually wrong. Like maybe you shouldn't even do any of these. Don't read these. These are wrong. Um, 
And like that question still, right? Like, okay, so mm. as a former history teacher, do I comment on there and be like, this is wrong? <laughs> um, I don't know. We're on a debate. I think we're at a point where we kind of paused. And when we found out, so we did ask, we tried to advocate, but like, oh, can we do a little bit of it? And then because we know she, she can do it. We got the no. Um, but honestly, she doesn't look at it. So I don't really know what the solution is. Does it matter either way? Right. And maybe that's, maybe that is the exclamation point on this conversation. The teacher can ask themselves, why are we doing, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? And why are we doing it this way? But then that's your, also your power as a parent to ask that. Right. Totally. And as a, as a student, right? Like she's old enough to make that decision for herself. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's back to that cost question, right? Like, so why force her to upload all these assignments? The old one. What's the lesson? What's the long-term lesson I'm calling her? Right? The unspoken, like the subtext. What's the subtext? Right? The subtext that you compliance is important. Um, question authority, but if they push back, don't keep pushing, right? Um, you know, because like you said, she was doing all, all these things that were like kind of hilarious, right? Like they're kind of a little bit of a like sort of like the system when I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna up the system, right? By doing these blank cards, right? And those, those are actual skill sets, right? Yeah, real world <laughs> skill real sets. Real world skill set that you can't teach, right? Um, like like a like a lack of a, a little bit of a savviness that you can't teach, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, it feels a bit like oh, you're, you are kind of lying, and it, when you get caught for this, it mattered. I don't even think that you can do this kind of stuff, right? like. I'm going to pretend I'm not to pay my taxes. <laughs> Something with real consequences, right? Like, I don't uh, know. Upload a blank. A blank. <laughs> blank taxes, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or like, try to travel with a blank passport. I don't know, whatever. Like a fake passport. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think she knows. I think she knows. Obviously, it didn't matter. Because she did mm-hmm. it in the beginning. So somewhere along the line, she figured out it didn't matter. I got my grade and I didn't, no one ever says anything to me. So why do it? I'd rather go work on like their play. <laughs> it's fun. No. Yeah. I don't know. If you guys are in the situation, okay, so if you were the parent, what would you have done? Would you, what would you have <laughs> I'm getting stressed. I don't even have a kid. Getting stressed thinking about the question. So no, I have a I have a 15-year-old stepson. And there's the homework issue, but the homework actually matters, right? Mm-hmm. Like the homework makes a difference in the grade, even though the grade scale is adjusted. Um, I'm kind of like one of those things. There's no missing assignments. Like there's no reason not to do the assignment. You have the time to do it, but make it make sense. It has to make sense, right? Like there's not, like you said, the executive function of a 10 year old and the teacher's not looking at it anyway. What's the point? And I, I think I value your daughter's skill set to be able to evaluate like, oh, she's not looking at it. I don't need to necessarily do it. There are other things that I would rather spend my time doing. And I think we make those decisions as adults all the time. Mm-hmm. She's just making that. She's taking the, maybe a liberty that you haven't afforded to her just yet. I mean, I feel like if it was my parents, I feel like they would have just yelled at me, right? Like, hey, why the missing assignment? Right. But I agree with Yvette, I think. If that was me, I would take that, I would turn that into an opportunity for this conversation <laughs> to happen. I think it's important talking about the why behind what we do and 
what do you do when that doesn't match, right? Like yeah. your why versus a why that's given. So I would definitely turn it into an opportunity for conversation. And in terms of the assignments, I don't know. I'm not sure if I would make my kid upload every one of those 200 assignments. I'm not sure. It may just take hours, right? Especially now she has to like take down all the blank ones and redo them, right? Like what's the goal? The goal is for her to learn, right? True. She's learning with or without those cards. True. Yeah. That's a good point. Right. I think it's like, I think, I think the walk away really is like, we have to be clear and she's, you know, she's, and she understands this thing. Like, like she's like, oh, I'm, she knows she's been lucky to have like an, an adult who's like an educator. Right. So like I could sit down with her and be like, you're the indicators of your target goals or whatever. And if you can meet them, then you make a decision on your own. Right. Like putting it back on her. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a, and I think it's a, I think that second question is how hard do I push as a parent? Mm-hmm. Do I know it should work differently? Right because I work in the same system, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that piece I probably will let it go because I think the co- the benefit of it's too low. You know, like she's learning a lot from that teacher. Teacher's obviously working really hard. I don't agree with all of her work style, mm-hmm. but she probably wouldn't agree with my work style if I had, you know, she had a child of mine, you know what I mean? So it's like, I think at the, ultimately at the end of the day, I feel like in terms of like what, what I expect from my kid's education is that, especially because I'm really committed to public school is that I just want my kids to have like a, they want their environment to feel like they belong and they thrive because mm-hmm. even when they learn factually wrong things, I can, I have the luxury to correct it. <laughs> like I can correct it. Um, so I think, I think if that's my goal, then I'm not going to push hard, though I'm irritated by it, right? And I'm curious to, to see how this conversation between you and your daughter would also just evolve over time. And also thinking about her future grades, like I'm sure this may not be the last experience where you're asking these questions. So I wonder how this interaction and experience would impact the tone for similar experience you may have in the future. And what do you do then? It's kind of like what you said last time, Yvette, like that, because it's such a great explanation about like, when I was like using all these stories of like shame, (laughs) like the way my parents turned to me, I'm like, you know, first generation immigrant, right? Like my parents are don't know the system, very hands-off, right? And I would tell you stories like, I used to like go to the liquor store and buy that little notepad and write my own homework down. <laughs> and if we needed stuff, I'd go and bring my own money and buy it myself. Like, I'll tell you these sob stories, right? But it's like what you said, like she's so removed from that reality that. Mm. I like, oh, interesting story. <laughs> no, <laughs> no she's like, dang, mom had it tough. You. <laughs> <laughs> she's like oh that sounds kind of interesting like it's kind of fun you're so independent like i really did like i was with this kid that was like parents like like you know come home before dark uh-huh. right? do whatever you want as long as you come home by the time it's dark we're good right like yeah um, those shame stories are not working for us at all mm. we try we, we still try i mean honestly i'm not gonna lie <laughs> especially because my husband was really poor growing up with all these like stories she's just like Okay. <laughs> Sorry, you feel that way. You know, what she'll say, right? Like, it doesn't change your behavior at all. Uh, I think that's been like a good learning parenting lesson. Like, like what? Like, where do I spend my time in trying to convince her to do things that I feel like Yeah. Um, and then like the whole—it's always the other question is like, you know, I'm, I'm telling you this because I've done it before and it didn't work. 
but then she's like well it might work for me <laughs> it was like okay go ahead try you know yeah you know so we'll see that's a good question though but definitely is a huge learning it was a huge learning moment for me mm. prior to this it's been pretty smooth because you know she's only like in like we spent third and fourth grade basically online right so yeah with the academic sort of like ramped up for her we weren't this is kind of like our first your struggle around school right so mm-hmm. um, yeah as a as a fairly new mom right first time to a little baby girl I think it's given me a lot to think about because I do have those like hovering tendencies like especially with my stepson like why is his teacher doing it that way? Like that doesn't make sense or like you need to like do all the work. So thanks for sharing your parenting fails. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I know. Because at the end of the day, right? When you think about it, it's a factor, right? Like, no. And like, she got a one or two if it was authentically a one and two, it's a concern. But if she got a two because of homework, does it really impact her? Right. And she's doing the homework. I think we're coming back around to it. She's actually doing the work. She's just not posting it. Posting it. Yeah. And some of them, to be fair, some of it she is skipping, but because it's so easy that she's like, well, I don't know. I don't want to spend hours doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I always complain about her being too sheltered. I should just take this as a win of being like a little street dabby on this, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not compliant. And I think uh-uh. that's the, that's the one thing of being the child of like culturally, like Latina and like, of you know, an immigrant is I was taught to be so compliant yeah. to a fault. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I appreciate her sassiness. Right. And her, the audacity to be like, I'm not doing that. She's asking the question. Yeah. I think that's probably what bothered me. Like, yeah, I thought, like, how could you do that? Like, so like, yeah, you're right. That's, I think that's the perfect word. I was like shocked by her audacity to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like, uh, it really felt a little bit like an affront to like my upbringing, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, you thought I, you, not only did you like it, like, it's almost like when you, you know, you hear the teacher say things like, I'm giving you an effort cheating and an effort thinking that I'm stupid enough to fall for it, right? It's like basically that same <laughs> thinking, right? Like, how dare you question my way of seeing the world, right? Yeah. So are you really mad that she didn't do it? Or are you mad that you didn't know that she wasn't doing it? Um, that's a good question. I think it's, I think it's the not knowing. Mm-hmm. And then like the, like, it's the, I think that's not the, it's like, Audacity. yeah, the one level I'm like, always like, yes, like, I want you to be the kid that as a girl, like girl power, advocate for yourself. Do it within these kind of <laughs> these very specific ways. But don't do it with me. They're exceptions. That's and that's unfair. And that's right. a mixed message. That's a good point. I think that's actually the that you hit the pin. Mm-hmm. If, if that's my that, that's probably my visceral reaction because you know it's funny that my mom my husband who's also an immigrant did not and in, in, grew up in a much different circumstance than I did did not take it at all like he was like. Like he was one more like, oh, I can kind of see that making sense. And I was like, no, don't encourage it. Mm. You know, and I think, I don't know. Yeah. So I think it's like being able to like look beyond that. And so I think how many parents are doing what my, what my husband did? Like, yeah, it's fine. 
All right. Thank you so much, Maria. Yeah. It's been a pleasure talking to you and sharing your insight as, in all the different roles that you've had, including um, being a parent. Yeah. And I, and I also think like, I think I came out of this, like, like a coaching understanding. I appreciate that. I think that it's really, the situation was more about my own personal, like a front to my own personal beliefs, my values, right? I felt like versus like the task of not doing homework. So that's important. I think I'm talking to my kid about that because I think that was really clear. When you said it, I was like, oh, that's that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even about the assignment. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Thank you for listening. We hope our conversations in this episode with Maria brought you some new learning and insight about the importance of asking why in what we do. We know there are so many different things that, you know, we were unpacking and we talked about. And now is a point in this episode where Yvette and I share um, our major takeaways from the conversation. So Yvette, what might be some of your takeaways? I think what I'm taking away from this conversation is I appreciate how bold Maria's daughter was in having that audacity to make that decision for herself. Like it didn't make sense. And so she cut out the part that didn't make sense for her. What does that audacity look like in my role as a data coordinator? What does it look like at our community of schools level? And how do we empower those around us to also think about what makes sense? And if it doesn't make sense, how do we in our system push back on those things? And I know there's a lot of things that we don't see. Like in the classroom, you don't see why an administrator makes the decision that they do operationally, right? Some of those things don't seem to make sense or the things that come down from the district don't seem to make sense in the classroom. But having the boldness Mm. to ask why or push back a little bit um, so that we're not just beat down into compliance and we're not wearing ourselves out. What about you? What are your major takeaways today? I mean, hearing your thoughts make, it's allowing me to make connections. I I know we've been talking a lot about in our region of the district, right? Student voice, that we want our students to be in their own, like driver's seat of their own learning. And I'm thinking about just even with our current model of community of schools, I wonder if compared to before with the traditional model as a larger district, I wonder if we now have like more means than ever to make an impact, make changes based on these questions that we ask, you know, and my takeaway was very similar. The word I took away also was a word audacity, right? Audacity to ask, you know, and I'm thinking even like about the culture, right? Like, what does it take to ask those questions? What am I doing? Why am I doing it this way? Right. And why are we doing it? And why are we doing it this way? And I think asking that question, like to be able to ask those questions requires, like it, we need to build first, build a culture where this kind of questioning is encouraged, right? It's not seen as just defiance or challenging behavior, but like we see this as an essential and like absolutely needed, like part of like bringing true growth and effectiveness. Um, and I think true competence looks like this, right? We have to be able to hear questions, collaborate to find solutions, you know, where we don't feel threatened by the questions, but we welcome, right? We welcome different 
thoughts and feedback. And even thinking about the ecosystem as we shared, I think just like how like, you know, in, in a real ecosystem, right? Every level has an impact on the other levels. And I think each person in this ecosystem of like public education, like has something that they can do like in their role within their control. So my big takeaway is I want to continue to ask myself in all the work I do, those essential questions of what am I doing? Why, why am I doing this? And why am I doing it this way? And I'm also thinking a lot about when we do this as adults, what this will model for our students, right? Thinking about advocacy and truly modeling what growth mindset looks like for our students. So as we wrap up this episode, we want to remind you to be sure to rate and subscribe on whatever platform brought you here today. We are available on all major podcast channels, Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you have any questions about what we covered in today's episode, please email us at theequityumbrella at gmail.com. We will include the link in our show notes. And as always, we welcome your feedback and ideas for future episodes. And please note that all opinions shared in this episode belong solely to each individual and do not necessarily represent the official view of LAUSD. With that, we hope you will join us next time under the equity umbrella. And bye. bye for now. Now. We can never get that right.